welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 52. Uh, 51 was a little while ago. I admit that. It was a few weeks ago. I want to apologize for that right up front. We won't be having those kind of gaps in the future. We're retooling, doing some things. And hey, you need some time to catch up to the old episodes anyway. All right, so we're right back to where we are. We're going to do our weekly recap of the best of the worst of legal ethics in our movie ethics form. Let's get right to the first case. Fine, well, let's see what else there is. Junior varsity tennis team, recording secretary Spanish club. Varsity track team, one year. Honorable mention Cook County Science Fair. Future enterprisers, yearbook staff, student council, two years. Well, Joel. Your stats are very respectable. You've done some solid work here. But it's not quite Ivy League now, is it? You know, Bill, there's one thing I've learned in all my years. Sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? Make your move. I beg your pardon? So, how we doing? Looks like University of Illinois. That was a very famous clip from the movie Risky Business. And this Las Vegas lawyer was indeed involved in a risky business of his own, uh, earning a nomination for the worst love scene. And as you'll see, this lawyer's constant need to say, what the bleep, um, it was going to have disastrous consequences. In a nutshell, this lawyer got in trouble because he tried to engage in the barter system for legal services, trading legal services for maybe the oldest services in the world, if you know what I mean. He's trading legal services for sex people. Uh, and that's not all. Uh, he's consummating these transactions in his office, and he has in his office a closed-circuit you know, security camera system and his uh, episodes are being recorded, so to speak, and displayed and shown, broadcast, to the people in his office. So you could be walking by your office and take a look at one of the cameras and see this lawyer uh, on screen doing legal collections. Let's, let's put it that way. I don't know what's worse. The fact that he thought that his staff wanted to see this or the fact that, according to reports here, his staff did. And would occasionally stop in and, you know, binge a couple of episodes of their favorite horrible, right, um, legal drama. Starring the 67-year-old lawyer, by the way, and whatever he thought he was doing. In any event, at one point, someone, some client decided that, you know what, maybe my lawyer should take more standard forms of payment, legal currency, credit cards, um, other than me. And as a result, they went to the police. The police decided they actually would investigate this, and they sent over an undercover officer posing as a client. And you guessed it, at the intake appointment, uh, this lawyer tried to take out his fee in trade, makes several you know, sexual comments, and tries to actually forcibly kiss the officer. And at that point, he's arrested on five counts of open and gross lewdness. And... And gross, I think, is, is the key word here. Uh, but there's more. Immediately after his arrest, 
the Las Vegas PD put out a press release asking for other victims to come forward. And according to prosecutors, several more victims have done just that. The lawyer's preliminary hearing on the criminal charges is set for later this month. And doesn't look good for the lawyer's freedom, especially his freedom to continue practicing law. Already, the trial judge has ordered the lawyer to stop practicing law right now. And I don't know how much jail time the lawyer will do. I do know that his legal career is almost certainly over. In addition to violating one of the most important lawyer prohibitions, like keeping your hands off the clients, he's not a first-time offender. In 2007, he was suspended after pleading guilty to stealing more than $300,000 from clients to feed his gambling addiction. For whatever reason, he's reinstated in 2015, and now we have this. And finally, even if he gets his law license back, I imagine that all that money he makes as a lawyer is going to go to his current employees, or past employees, because uh, he subjected them to, at the very least, a hostile work environment. Uh, when there's porn, uh, particularly amateur self-made porn, showing on the video screens in the, in the office, um, you're going to have to pay some money. In addition to that, all kinds of allegations that he wasn't just trying to me too the clients, but he was me too everybody. Uh, I think he me too me three or four times. I just forgot. And as a result, this lawyer, whatever money he keeps or gets to make is likely going to go to some lawsuits. If you're actually a Nevada lawyer and you do employment law, just contact me. Let me know. I'll tell you who he is so you can go ahead and get the first lawsuit going. Uh, but um, it's not going to be a good time for him. But the real lesson to be learned here deals more with the fact that very oftentimes when people have an addiction and they suffer from an addiction, they'll go and get treatment and get clean, get better. And sometimes that is the case. Oftentimes, though, they simply substitute addictions. And we see this happening too often. In this case, we had a lawyer who had a gambling addiction. And apparently, maybe he got rid of the gambling. He doesn't gamble anymore. But he's still engaging in risky behavior, risky business. See, his real addiction isn't to the ponies or right to, to the football games and all the betting, the crap table. The real addiction he had was to risking it all, to the gamble, to the excitement and adrenaline that comes from maybe losing everything or maybe gaining something. And that didn't go away. It just got transferred from gambling to right, this addiction, which is just as destructive to everybody. And that is why it's important to really understand that we often have to treat the underlying condition. It's not the gambling. It's not the booze. It's what causes people to do the gambling, to drink the booze or whatever your problem is. Because if not, you'll just substitute one addiction for the other. You are history. I am calling the cops. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, hey, now, calm down, calm down, calm down. You have every right to be angry, okay? I, just take a deep breath. There's got to be some way I can work this off, some way I can make it up to you. No, 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 no. Hello darkness, my old friend 
I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly. Oh, stop it, you. It wasn't that bad. Left its seeds while I Oh, my little Roy toy. And the vision. What is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? Still remains. You really jarred something loose, Tiger. That was a clip from the movie Kingpin, our next nominee in the category of worst temper in a non-legal setting. And like in the movie, the setting for this scene is a bowling alley. In short, last March, a night of bowling resulted in a big strike against a South Carolina lawyer who was charged with assault and battery after starting a physical altercation with his girlfriend while drunk in the alley. Unfortunately, after the lawyer grabbed his girlfriend by the hair and placed her in a chokehold, a brave bystander interceded and she proceeded to lay hands on the lawyer. And not in the biblical sense. Well, actually, it was kind of biblical or Old Testament style because according to news reports, uh, this woman saw the lawyer grab his girlfriend and immediately punched him dead in the eye, knocking him to the ground. In fact, when the police got there, it was so bad that they actually had to administer first aid to the lawyer and sent him to the hospital to see an ophthalmologist and then later to jail. And I've seen the booking photo, and I know why he had to go see an eye doctor. Uh, probably had to go see ear, nose, and throat, too. Uh, apparently, the woman he made the mistake of messing with a new karate, uh, kung fu, judo, tai chi, tai bo, uh, bo duke, and Luke Duke and, and, and Jesse and, and Boss Hog, the whole clan. I guarantee you that that little piggy uh, won't be putting his ham hocks on anyone in the future. He also won't be practicing law for the next nine months. Uh, moreover, the lawyer is undergoing outpatient treatment for substance abuse, which is really smart. He's, in, he's uh, attending AA meetings. He's even agreed to a daily breathalyzer test morning and afternoon. Um, he might also want to enroll in a self-defense class or two, uh, you know, just in case he runs into that woman again or an angry Girl Scout who's having a bad day selling cookies. In fairness, uh, the lawyer seems to realize that he has a serious problem. Being knocked out by a woman in the middle of a bowling alley uh, tends to do that to you. Um, he self-reported his, his crime, uh, checking the inpatient program, uh, has agreed to be monitored by the bar's uh, Lawyers Helping Lawyers program for the next three years. And this is a good thing. This is where lawyers often mess up. They're simply too proud to admit they have a problem. They say, oh, I, I just drink sometimes to have fun or whatever. Uh, it's not fun when some woman has punched you in the eye. Uh, that should be, I think, the first of the warning signs, red flag, that maybe you have a problem. Remember, the definition of a drinking problem isn't determined by how much you drink or how frequently. It's if drinking causes serious problems. This is a serious problem, right? And so you got to applaud the lawyer for hopefully getting some help, uh, whatever other issues he's, he's dealing with. And to the heroic bystander, you go, girl. All right, handle your business. Georgie. Aren't you going to say hello? Oh, come on, bucko. 
Don't you want a balloon? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. My dad said so. Very wise of your dad, Georgie. Very wise indeed. I, Georgie, am Pennywise the Dancing Clown. You are Georgie. So now we know each other. T-Rex? I guess so. I gotta go. Go? Without this? My ghost! Exactly. Go on, kiddo. Take it. Oh, you want it, don't you, Georgie? Oh, of course you do. And there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And balloons, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Georgie. They float. And when you're down here with me, you float That was a clip from the movie It, starring the evil clown Pennywise. And here we have a Massachusetts lawyer who's being nominated for most creative billing. And why? For, for being Pennywise and champagne foolish. And yeah, let me explain. The lawyer was a partner in a big, big mega firm. He worked with a CLE provider to put together a legal education conference, kind that I speak at all the time, and arranged for and paid $1,952.85 for wine for the you know, post-conference reception, cocktail reception. And afterwards, he submits reimbursement to both the CLE sponsor and his law firm. Both of them. So that he gets, instead of almost two grand back, he gets four grand back. When his law partners find out that he's double dipped in the Kool-Aid, so to speak, uh, they're not happy about it. Uh, not only does he have to get a new place to practice law and rip some other people off, uh, but they report him to the state bar. And they say, give, give, give us our $2,000 back. They're mad. Now, here is the penny unwise part. This lawyer worked at a firm. I just looked it up. The Annual per partner profit this firm is in excess of $2 million a year. And he was willing to lose the trust of his partners and his position in the firm. And after the bar acted, a year of his law license to get an extra $2,000. That's bad math, people. And here's the sad thing is, as bad as that math is, you know, we're not so good in the STEM thing in America. It's not uncommon. Every year, we have tons of cases of lawyers, very rich lawyers, ruining their lives, careers, their reputation, their integrity for very small amounts of money. I even know of a not-so-rich lawyer who did something similar in the past. Me. And I'll explain it to you. Fortunately, this is 20 years ago. I think the statute of limitations has run I wasn't involved in the practice of law anyway, but to give you an idea of how this type of thing can happen. Years ago, before I was the kind of big-time legal humorous that could draw, you know, dozens of people to a CLE, <laughs> I struggled. And back then, I you know, was just trying to make ends meet and catch as catch can. My fee at the time was very low, but someone hired me, and I went out of state to give this talk. 
My arrangement then, as it is now, is I get up deposit of half of the money up front. That half comes in. I go to the event to give a speech. Someone says, hey, glad you made it here. Here's a check for your second half. I said, thank you very much. I did the talk, and it went really well. And afterwards, someone came to me and said, hey, Sean, here is your third half. <laughs> they didn't know it was the third half. And they gave me another check. So now I've gotten three halves. I'm pretty good at math, people. I have a pretty good SAT math score. I know that that's not right. That's, that's too much. And so I do what any good person with integrity and decency would do. I decide to pray on it. And I go into the corner of the room and I say, Lord, what should I do with the extra half? And the word I got, the, <laughs> the inspiration, was that I should keep it. Because it was really a tip for, for, for a masterful presentation. They hadn't paid me nearly enough up front. And, and that's really what make life right. And also I had some bills to pay. Here's the thing that was interesting. Just like this lawyer, it didn't take very long for people to realize they had paid me a third half. And they wanted their third half back. And obviously I had to give the third half back. Um, that organization, I'm not going to tell you the name of them. They are nowhere on my website. I list about 400 organizations on my website that have hired me. That's not one of them. I don't want anyone to know about that we had a thing together because uh, I don't think they have good things to say about me. Uh, yeah, that's not, a, that's not anybody ever had me back again. Interestingly enough, I've been tested with that time and time again since then. Easily two, three times a year, I get a third half. <laughs> I consider a test from the universe. I send it right back immediately. I'm going to have to send it back anyway. All right, I might as well send it back first. I look like the good guy. These things happen. You get overpaid. People don't keep track of things immediately. But you, all right, will do yourself a big, big favor if you never think that you should keep a third half because that's bad math and not good ethics. Okay, let's do that. Let's do it. Yes? Yes. Okay. Well, the first thing we've got to do is get Mike's name on the organ recipient list. He's B positive, so his name should go right to the top of the list. It's not so simple. There are other considerations before a prospective recipient can be placed on a donor list. Transplant surgery is very expensive. In most cases, prohibitively so. Yo, we got insurance. I mean, major medical, he's covered. We've already checked with your carrier, Mr. Archibald. There are no provisions in your policy for a procedure of this magnitude. Oh, no, no, no. That's a mistake. I mean, I'm not just you're making the mistake. I'm just saying that I, he's, I'm insured. He, my son's covered. How about you, Mrs. Archibald? Do you have coverage? No, I've only been working at the supermarket a couple months and you don't get benefits until you Doesn't matter. We got insurance. Mm. Okay, I can see here that you don't own your home. You have no stocks, no bonds, no investments. You have a little over $1,000 in savings. But we got insurance. That may very well be, Mr. Archibald. You're going to have to check with your carrier on that. In the meantime, I'm afraid we're going to have to treat this as a cash account. What? How much does a transplant Wait cost? Wait a minute, baby. Let me take you. How, how much does a tra how much does it cost? Transplant surgery, doctors' fees, post-operative care, immunosuppressant drugs. You're looking at a minimum of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. If you opt for transplant surgery, that is your choice. But the hospital maintains a very strict policy with regard to cash patients. We require a down payment before we can put a patient's name on a receiver's list. How much? What kind of down payment? Thirty percent. $75,000. $75,000. Don't put my son's Our name Our son on is list. upstairs dying, and all you can do is sit here and talk about money. It costs money to provide health care. 
is expensive for you, it's expensive for us. Now I'm sorry, but you're going to have to guarantee payment before I can put your son's name on the list. Finally, that was a clip from John Q, the riveting Denzel Washington movie in which he plays a desperate father who takes an entire emergency room hostage in a, really a desperate attempt to get his dying son a needed heart replacement uh, surgery, despite the fact that his insurance doesn't cover this. And so they're not willing to do it. He takes the whole emergency room hostage because he's trying to save his son. It's an understandable thing. We can understand it. We could all be John Q. Well, the New York lawyer in this case wasn't exactly John Q. She was more like, you know, Jane F, maybe G. I'll explain. The lawyer here was a junior associate at a New York law firm, and she's been assigned to assist a more senior associate with 30 immigration matters. As often happens firms all over the country, the senior associate leaves. And unbeknownst to the junior associate, she's been sort of promoted. It's now her responsibility to make sure these 30 matters get handled, and she's primarily responsible for them now. She doesn't realize that. And so, sure enough, one of the filings that's supposed to be done doesn't get done. And when word gets back to her and people say, well, what happened? She panics and says, oh, no, 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 we did that filing, <laughs> even though she hadn't. Then she goes and she starts fabricating the internal records in the firm, like creating all kinds of false receipts and things to make, she, to make it look like she has done the filing. She does this for a month. The problem is she hasn't done the filing. You can't fix, you can't go back and, you know, she's not good enough to be able to go back in time. And, and as a result, eventually, it takes about a month, but they discover her deception. She, in embarrassment, resigns from the firm, and then the, the law firm re reports her to the state bar. Now, this isn't remarkable in this sense. Sadly, this happens all the time. Lawyers will forget to do something. And then lie and think, hey, you know what? I'll just rectify the problem immediately. I'll do the filing I said I did three weeks ago. Really, really not a problem. Uh, but it becomes a problem, especially when we start trying to backdate documents, right? Especially ones that have been filed with the court or falsify records to cover our initial negligence. And now we've turned a small problem, missing a filing deadline, right? Using something that can be rectified into a huge problem, which is displaying a pattern of dishonesty that demonstrates that we might not be fit to practice law and to be trusted with the responsibility of being you know, an officer of the court. Now, what makes this case somewhat unusual is the excuse given by the lawyer when asked to explain herself to the state disciplinary board. It was this excuse that earned her an Effie nomination for best original excuse. It also might likely be the reason that she only got a six-month suspension for her actions. The lawyer suffers from a serious congenital medical condition, like in John Q. And that made getting health insurance not just something that's nice and wonderful, but it's absolutely necessary. She has to have costly medicine and procedures to be able to continue to live. And as a result, right, when she thought she might get fired and became concerned that maybe she missed a filing deadline, she overreacted. She panicked. She said, I, I was so fearful that I was going to lose my life-saving health insurance that I just lied and did these things that were outside of my character and I wouldn't normally do. Now, I don't know how true that was. I never saw her medical records, anything like that. Uh, but I do know that in the richest country in the history of the world, it's kind of a shame that so many people depend upon their employer 
to provide them with the health insurance that they need to stay alive. Um, th that's probably not the way we should be doing things. That's probably not the most uh, humane and, and comforting and compassionate society, particularly for such a rich one. And it's not, it's not good for any of us. Think about it. I don't care how healthy you are now, but for the grace of God or, or a female bowler in South Carolina, uh, we could all find ourselves in need of medical attention. It, this is probably something that we shouldn't be depending upon employers for and people to be so desperate that they stay in jobs they hate or to lie to keep jobs, right? So that they're just trying to stay alive. Now, hopefully there's something we'll fix in the future, but in the near future, what we are going to fix is getting back to a regular schedule of these programs. I've missed you. I've missed doing these programs. So we're back on schedule. Like I said, you've had time to catch up. We're going to go forward from here. And let me just thank you so much uh, for, for listening. I really enjoy doing this. It keeps me on top of my game. Hopefully, you get a third of what I get out of this. But hopefully you'll get it sooner than you got it before. So we'll see you very, very soon, people. Take care. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or the Ethie Awards, and we thank you so much. See you next time.